All right, here we go. Black and blonde. Am I racist? Yikes. I'm black. And I'm blonde. I mean, that's a really a question to start her off with. Yeah, I mean, you didn't answer it either, Natasha. I'm not going to answer that here, you're, Molly. You're not? Mm, nope. Uh, welcome to the start of the last week of July. I don't want to talk about that either. Oh, this is going to be a good episode. The summer has flown by, Molly. Do you think so? I, oh my God, yes. I am doing something where I'm thinking it's already July... 20 whatever, 24th. Mm-hmm. But then yeah. I also say, but it's only July 24th. Well, good for you. I wish I had that ability. Yeah. I, I mean, just well, panic. You did have a panic moment this week. Well, I mean, I'm just like, I got to get some shit done at work. Well, I mean, you got to figure that part out. Exactly. Yeah. So Anywho. anyways, uh, this week, another week in the old Natasha Molly homestead. I, got, I sure did get a funny little article from you the other day. Yeah. Cities 97 had a story. So first of all, you know, we got a dog, Nipsey. And Cities 97 had a story about, um, I think it was a, I don't know if it was a man or woman, it doesn't really matter, person who was embarrassed because their dog they've had for like 10 years or something, some extended period of time, only answers to its nickname, which was Poopy Pants. I mean. And so like they'd have to yell outside like, Poopy Pants, (laughs) it's time to eat. And it made me think of like all the million names we called Nipsey. We do call him a lot of names. Yeah. And I was like, what? Could happen if okay, but he always knows his name. I know, but like, it and might, first of all, and 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 we would never call him Poopy. No, pants. we would not. I mean, like Scallywag, it's gross. Scallywag, we might call. Yeah, him. you call them a Scallywag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else? I mean, we call him Nipsey Doodle a lot. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, Nipsey Do and Nipsey Doodle are the I think the yeah for no reason. Yeah, you call him Governor. Uh, yes, I always say hello, Governor. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, don't make a silly name up for your dog and no. then like have to embarrass. What if yourself? I have to yell outside like Governor, <laughs> come get your food? He'd be like, doo, 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 oh, doo, doo. here he comes. Um, last week too, we talked. Well, the last two episodes, I think Natasha have been like real, just like a dumpster fire on top of a dumpster fire. Yeah, since. we're not really doing that today. Though. No, we're not. Um, but. <laughs> I mean, I guess the episode's called Am I Racist Today? Well, I mean, mean, every episode kind of is a dumpster fire. But, like, I'm talking about, like, in terms of the world around us, we're not giving you all the dumpster fire this week. No, we're not. We're not. But we said something, I think it was kind of a rhetorical question of just what's the opposite of dumpster fire. Yeah, you asked that. And then we didn't really know. And Mm -hmm. then when I was listening to it, that part of the episode was when we were talking about the... um, the telescope, yeah, or J- James, the James Webb telescope, yes, and and Mr. Gregory Robinson, Robinson, yes. And when He's I was listening, Mrs. I was like, "Gosh, Robinson. you know what the opposite of dumpster fire is? What black excellence? Oh yeah." And so then we just, I thought that's pretty awesome. Like, not that we need every week to like, you know, find the piece of black excellence, but I, you know, we did think that'd be pretty cool. So this week, black excellence is. Uh, I believe her name is Alina. I think that's how you say it. Mm-hmm. Alina Annalie Wicker, 13 years old. The ripe old age of 13 has been accepted into medical school in Atlanta. The first... Alabama? Or sorry, Alabama. Yes, mm-hmm. you're correct. First black uh, youth to do it at that young of an age. I mean, 13. 13? Like, what the hell? I was a she, I was a dumpster fire at 13. She graduated high school at 12. I mean, that's just nuts. I mean, and I'm just going to say, that I, that's not surprising that somebody could do that. Well, to graduate high school? Yeah. Yeah, it's not that hard. No. And, and I say that knowing it's very hard for some kids because we make it hard. That's like right. we we do that right. to, to kids. But, you know, here's what I will say, because I think there's a lot of people out there bitching like, 
that the parents shouldn't have done this or it shouldn't have happened or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. who cares? Like, why do we always have to have everybody have to be a certain way? Like, she is smart. She's going to medical school because she wants to, and we shall all move on and just celebrate her black excellence. Can I just find something black for a minute? magic. What? How long is this going to take you? Just a second, because Are you what? scouring the interwebs? What? Are you scouring the interwebs? Well, no, well... Should I say something? Did I send something to you? Well, just along that line of, like, why do, why do we just have to spend so much time, like, caring about... It? I did. It was Daniel Levy's tweet this week that said, oh, yeah. imagine wasting your life worrying about who has the right to marry who of all the things to stand for regulating love. How fucking miserable. I mean, really, but really like, it's just like how miserable to like get mad that that 13 year old girl's getting into medical school. Like that's what you're doing in your life. And let's stop. Let's return to the black excellence. Yeah. You oh, know what I mean? Like I, t- right. I took it away from that. You no, did. I'm saying like, okay, let's, let's Bring I went it back. Right down reverse, that, reverse. I went right down that rabbit hole with reverse, you. Reverse, reverse. Crisscross. Everybody clap your hands. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, but that's super cool. Yeah, it is. No, it's good. Good for her. Yeah, super inspiring. She said black girl magic. Black girl magic for sure. Um. Anyways, opposite a dumpster fire for us on the pod. Well, should we go to a dumpster fire then? Yeah. You have one. What? You have one. I do have one from the Minneapolis City Council, which this is a little, I'm a little delayed on this. It's probably a couple of weeks now because yeah, it's I after the 4th been. of July. I don't even know the old white man's name on the city council. And I should because he deserves Racist to be named. Joe. Racist Joe. Um, came out with just some really horrendous um, comments about what he was going to do. He was going to go down to the old um, mosque um, in Minneapolis a mosque in Minneapolis, and he was going to talk to the Somali community um, about keeping those black Somali kids in line. Because, oh, good, thank you. Yeah, That's Natasha, really helpful. because you know they were the ones um, who let off all the fireworks and um, created destruction. Um, Michael Rainville was his name. So the Fourth of July. Um, there here's was what he a said. racist, had his name, and Reichel was his name. Oh, for sure. Here's what he said. Earlier today, our colleague Michael Rainville, oh no, that's what the city council said. Here's what he said. Today at 1.30, I'm going off to a mosque in the Northeast to meet with Somali elders to tell them that their children can no longer have that type of behavior down at the Stone Arch Bridge in Mill District. Thank you. And the city council came out and said their colleague, um, the council member representing Ward 3, um, held a community event through his council office to address public safety. When discussing the uptick in crime over the 4th of July weekend, he made incorrect, inappropriate, and disturbing comments stating that Somali youth overwhelmingly perpetrated the crime. So they could, they labeled it incorrect, inappropriate, and disturbing. And then he came out to say, I want to address a comment I made earlier today and apologize. I was trying to convey that we need more support for our youth. But the fact is that what I said and the way I said it was not appropriate. And I was wrongly misled or I I wrongly singled out Somali youth. Well, that's accurate because he did. He did. You did, you motherfucker. I mean, just awful. And like, I don't know. I don't know. Nothing. No. What were you going to say? No, I mean, it's just, 
it goes back to so much of, I think, what we say where like words matter, language matters, intent matters, like, and you are a, a councilman, like you're, you're running for an office and you're talking to people and you're going, trying to bring a community together. You've got to just do better. And just to like group it, the whole thing is just, it's disgusting. Yeah. First of all, Somali youth are not a monolith either, Correct. by the way. Can we please white people stop grouping. Can we just, can we stop grouping? No. Oh, I mean, I'm the, not white the though, one so. thing white people don't like is being called white people and being referred to as white people. And all they do is group in other, other people. They're angry. I mean, well, I like, can you, white people need to sit in that groups of people who are not white are not a monolith. Yikes. Yes, that's accurate. I mean, quit doing that. Yes, that's accurate. And when you hear it, interrupt it. Do you mean all Somali youth? You that what you mean? Council and when people say, "Oh no, no, I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant." Then why do you say that? Thank you. Okay, let's move. Okay, on. we're getting we're working. All right. What other good news? Monkeypox, monkeypox, monkeypox. Oh my gosh, the monkeypox! And not only monkeypox is like now invading our world because we need COVID monkeypox. And someone in New York just got fucking polio. I mean. It's like we eradicated the thing. It's bad. By a helpful thing called a vaccine. <laughs> Numb nuts. All right. Well, Let's get to um, some before happiness. we get into before we get into reflection, you know, I just wanted we are doing nothing. I think we were taking the summer off from social media. Okay. Is that what we're saying? Well, I mean, I, think, that we're we have, it? Okay. I think we Thank have you. taken the summer off okay, from social yeah. media. Yeah, we, we didn't declare it. We've no, just done we just it. are doing it. And, yep. um, but I will say we've got some listeners who are doing a pretty damn good job sharing what we're doing. Propping us up. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, a podcast I was listening to this week at the end of it, the person said, um, I'm asking everybody to share this episode with four people throughout the week. Mm. And I was like, wow, that's just like so succinct. And I would say like not even four, but I'll take one. Yeah. I mean, if you just like mention black blonde pod in one conversation this week, I think that would be super awesome because we're not doing the work, so we need you to. Well, I mean, no, we are but doing I've been the work, I, actually. Well, no, we're not doing the like get the social work of Black Blonde Pod. Yeah, it's not and, our game. And someone else decided to like just give a little donation to the Black Blonde I Pod, mean. which like thank you. I'm not. I don't want to like name people because I don't know that always. I don't think people always do that for that, but I do. Again, like I always say. Or I always want to thank our listeners. I think they're awesome. I think the people that continue to listen, come back, you know, give us. And those ride or dies that listen every Sunday or weekend when it comes out. Sunday or Monday, like they're not fucking around. Oh my gosh. To the ride or dies. Yeah. That's awesome. Our A1s we'll give you a sticker. Our A one since day one. That's right. We'll besties give you a, for the resties. We'll give you a sticker <laughs> if you uh, DM us. Yep. All right. So reflection into feeling race and racism. What you been thinking about since last week? We talked about um, the concept of is it ever possible for white people to truly like be empathetic because we white people can never feel racism? And we talked about racial self talk um, and how you just spread that. What you been thinking about? Yeah. So I've just been thinking about in given that. As a white person, not me, white person, but like white people, the, <coughs> sorry, a little tickle, um, the importance of not only listening to, but believing black people. Like, I'm just going to say to white people, you can't feel racism. You can feel other things and other forms of discrimination and and what have you. You cannot feel racism. So therefore, you can't possibly like downplay it, ignore it, say it didn't happen, 
but talk around it. Like you just don't get to do that. So I would challenge any white person that's listening when you're in a space and someone is talking about something that they deem someone of color is talking about something that they deem that's racist, believe them and don't try to figure out, well, they probably didn't mean that or it didn't know. Like, no, you can't feel it. Don't try. Sit it out. That's all. That's a good reflection. Um, and I think that is very common within white people to kids will say to me, black kids will say to me that, you know, they get tired of having to try to convince white people that what they experience is truth. Yeah. And I think people have a hard time with that, with microaggressions. Cause I think people think, oh, well, someone just touched your hair. Like what's the big fucking deal? You can't feel racism. So you don't get to decide the big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I My reflection was a little bit different. I, in fact, I think we talked about it right away early in the week. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I listened and you were talking about racist Joe, Uncle Racist Joe. Racist Uncle Joe. Racist Uncle Joe. Correct. And then somewhere in that same vein, you said semi-racist Sally. Yeah, she was also there. And... I have someone in my life that has that name. Mm-hmm. And as I was listening to that, I got triggered. Like I did the thing that I was running and okay. I could not listen. In fact, I had to rewind. Like, I, you know, when you can go back 15 seconds, sure. I had to go back three 15 seconds after you said semi-racist Sally, because I had this whole moment where I was like defending in my thoughts, like one, I felt something. The then person I, you know. This person I know. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm doing the thing. Like I'm doing the thing. What's the thing? That white people do when it isn't even about them, that I made it about me and this person that was like this, I just created this story and I got defensive in my own internal thoughts. And then... Like I, you know, then I was like laugh. I mean, then I, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'm doing the thing. Like, I have to tell you, like, this is what I did. And like, when I was talking to you about it, I just thought for as conscious as, I mean, <coughs> like, I believe I'm somewhat semi-conscious racially. I'm going to call you semi-conscious Molly. Yeah, semi-conscious Molly. And, and it's just so innate to like feel a need to defend I don't know. Like I just, I just did, I did that thing. And I just, you know, I was like, I, Natasha, I got to tell you this. So, and what's empowering to me is to be able to say that to you. But that's what I was going to say. Three really good things came out of that. I think you recognized it. Like you were aware of what you were doing in that moment. Cause when I said semi-racist Sally, I wasn't even thinking about that person. It was just, it was like racist uncle Joe. Like it was just Mm -hmm. a name. Um, so you you were aware of what you did. You had some racial self-talk about it. Like, that's what you did. And to allow yourself to keep going back to it. And then we talked about it. Like, I think all those, like, fuck, if you're a listener and you think about those moments that you get triggered or that something is like, and you're trying to defend something and you're like all worked up, like, do you do those things? Do you stop? Think about why you're feeling what you're feeling. Think that it's not, recognize it's not about you and then have a conversation. Like, that's like... That's it. That's the work. Because I think go. even, you know, it was discomfort for me inside, but like I could have just moved through that, right? Like right. you called me, we were on, the, you know, we were on the, our drive to work because traffic was a beast on Monday morning. And, um, and 
I was like a little uncomfortable having to tell you, you know, I was like, Natasha, I did this thing. And I don't know. So I think, you know, um, but I appreciate that reflection. Like I really do. I think that's a super honest, vulnerable. It's not like vulnerable, like, Oh my God, this thing happened. But like, it is vulnerable. Like you had a feeling about something I don't know. Like, I just think it's really good yeah, it was to like share. So thank sitting you. in all my whiteness, Natasha. Yeah. <laughs> it's like embodying it. So I'll write right. alone in that. All right. So today's topic, uh, Am I Racist, came roundabout from a listener question. Well, let's let's preface a little bit. Like, okay. there was a listener that gave us, uh, well, somewhat feedback and somewhat, a qu- they posed mm-hmm. a question. We're not sure how we took the whole question. Like, the con- we went back and forth for quite a, a couple of days about, like, what was this person asking? Um, it, but there was a part of that that stuck out to us, a part mm-hmm. of the entire concept. And so, listener, we're probably not going to really answer your question fully, but we're going to an- we're going to talk about the part of your question that kind of stood out to us, which was essentially, can something make you racist? Right? Like, can an event happen? Can you experience something? That makes you racist. Because of the way in which you're, you, from your white perspective, are watching the behavior, the behavior of black and brown people. Mm-hmm. And if you, as you watch this, and maybe you're not seeing, um, maybe in that moment, like brilliance or mm-hmm. um, good, healthy black choices. excellence at that place. What? Maybe not black excellence in that moment. Maybe not. Maybe not healthy choices, maybe whatever. Anyways, so that's happening in a very white environment and in mm-hmm. a very white system. Systemically white environment. That is inherently racist and was built and designed that way. So black well, and brown I think people, we can just say it's education. Right. Black and brown students, boys in that environment, you're watching something and now you're reflecting and saying, is this making me racist? Is this making, or I feel like this is making I me racist. I feel like this is making me racist. Can I just answer the question? Yes. No, no, something cannot make you racist. You are actually just racist. Now I'm, I'm treading, I, I understand what I'm saying here. So person listening, you might feel it in your bones, but I don't believe something can make you racist. You make a choice to be racist. You make a choice. You allow those feelings. You don't self racial self talk your way through those feelings. You don't have conversations to get out of those feelings. You aren't doing the work if you are sitting in that and saying that that. Do you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, because what I hear in there is what I believe is happening is white person is looking at black and brown people and what is happening. And then saying, is because they're doing that, is that the thing that's making me, like, it's the blaming and the, it's like right. that, if they weren't doing that, then I surely wouldn't be racist. But because they're right. doing it, they're making me racist. Like I, that is some racial healing handbook, some deep reflection, some, that's like, some work. it's some work about like, what are you not able to see in that environment that has created the conditions for that and for people to white people to so very easily ask the question like if only they weren't doing that make them stop doing that they should stop doing that and never questioning the conditions and the oppression that is continuing to happen the lack of safety and belonging 
in spaces that were never created for people who are black and brown, like all of that is not the conversation. The conversation is like, what I can appreciate maybe is like, she's, that there's person, some reflection there's to some say question about the, like, so I do agree. Like we don't know this person, right? We don't know. We actually don't know enough of the scenario. Like I said, we we're not even totally sure we have it right. So there may be some like deep reflection in this person. Like, Oh my gosh, like I'm starting to recognize the things that I am feeling that I don't like. And I have work to do. That person might be like going out and doing some more. We don't know. Right. We, so, but it, nothing can make you racist. Things can influence your, right? So the environment you grow up in, the language that you hear, um, shit on social media, you know, can help to radicalize people. The people, right, you, who are in your environment, your friends, right. your social circle. If if we raised Caden to only hear a specific set of language or have a belief about a specific set of people, sure, that can influence him. But ultimately, we are we are responsible for our feelings towards other people. We have to own our own feelings. We have to own our beliefs. We have to own our biases. Like that's not for someone else. That is not if this, then that that's you. Yeah. I mean, I wonder like, you know, is this making me racist? Like what thoughts are you having? You know what I mean? For that, like I would want that person to like, that is a two minute silent, just write everything that's in your head about the experience that you're having. That's actually a strategy of like set a timer on your phone, two minutes, get everything that goes through your mind about that situation out on a piece of paper, like all of it, because somewhere in there, I wonder what would be lifted up about black and brown people. I I think back to uh, the murder of George Floyd and the protests that went on in Minneapolis. And there was a lot of they, they did this if they would have, if that. And I think that's where people need to to pause and start thinking about what is the language that I'm, that I'm pulling out and what are those like internal thoughts that I have about these other people? Because someone else doing something should not make you feel that way about a whole entire group of people. Well, I was going to say, going back to the, right, like black people are not a monolith. Right. So now, you know, like, even the question was, you know, like things are happening in this environment with black and brown people and then like how that can get extrapolated. So it all, all the black yep, and brown every people black and brown school, person is causing this problem. This group of tw- all the 15 kids, mm-hmm. all of them, or you know what I mean? And right. if it's, let's say you could just, you take all that down and you get down to one still one is it what's happening in the environment, how supported, how nurturing, how affirming, how racially, culturally, intellectually affirming is that space that that boy is in or that girl is in or that person is in? How affirming is that space? White person who's asking the question about, are you racist? And and 100% with that. And then the other part of it to me is because you saw what I presume, what I'm totally presuming here, a handful of people acting in this way, is that now starting to impact the other, that people that weren't even there, but there's happened to look like them. Like you're starting to make these black and brown boys into a monolith, right? There's some real soul searching in that, if that's what you're doing. And then talking to other white people about that. So here's a great example of like the reproduction of racism as those questions 
or that language. And it's really, really harmful in schools, right? Mm -hmm. It is because we, I think a lot of our listeners, I don't, we, we know what the, the outcomes around discipline, around edu- around behavior and suspensions are the criminalization of black and brown bodies in schools, in our society, in our country, but in school, it's horrible. Right. And so then predominantly white educators talking about how unsafe schools are and how, how hard it is. Like it is a, it is a narrative that is repeated over and over and over to the point that white people just like roll right with it. It's like just the, it is like the, it's, it is, it's awful. It is, it is, it is really challenging to interrupt that type of thinking because so many damn people in education are white that it's like they get in these spaces and they talk about kids and they talk about behaviors and it's so racist. Like it just is, but there's too many white people who are not able, can't feel it, who can't feel it, can't see it, have no racial self-talk and can't hear the truth. Right. So it goes back to probably our past couple episodes, I think. What's brilliant about that group of kids? Who knows what's brilliant about that group of kids? What if people started talking about what was brilliant about those people? Who would believe that? And I want people to, um, I'm mindful of saying this, I want people to understand like, we're not condoning inappropriate behavior in schools. I don't know what inappropriate, whatever the fuck that means, but we're not condoning it. That's not what this is about. That this is about the the um the beliefs that we that we start to hold about people, kids in a system that is not even built for them. Yeah, I mean, if only they would, right. then I wouldn't. Then exactly. The fact that you're blaming children for your adult behavior is actually more troubling to me. So the fact that that we can say, oh, these children that don't even have a developed prefrontal cortex. If only they would stop doing this, I would stop being racist. And they, I, I don't know, like, it's a, it, I, you know, and I really appreciate this, you know, from, and, and then you think about black and brown staff in those systems who watch this over and over and over. And then the question, you know, like, how do we support black and brown people? One, how do we get them into education? How do we hire them? And once we hire them, how do we keep them? Because how do we support them? And but the, the but whiteness continues to operate the exact same way and white people are trying to figure out well how do we get black kids to do what we want them to do how do we get black staff to stay because they keep leaving like well, the if, question's the wrong question right. like turn that question onto yourself and then turn it on to your white you want to make a monolith out of a racial group make it out of white people well yeah and the, i mean the, um we think black and brown adults are going to stay in a system that isn't built for them or supporting of them. Children don't have a choice. Like they're in that system, right? And so like, if we can't fix it for kids, I don't know how the hell we think we're going to fix it for adults who can make that choice and be like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Like, I'm not going to put up with this. So I think there is a lot of, in this question and in this topic, and especially if you're in education, there's just really a lot of soul searching. And I think outside of education too, because I think it is like, it's the councilman who talked about the Somali youth at the, like, what do you think when you see, what do you think when you see? And are Somali youth 
the only ones that possibly could have, I mean, so in this instance, in the incident that was referenced, Molly Youth were doing something around fireworks on the 4th of July, whatever. Are they the only ones that could have been doing this? Are they the only ones causing trouble in the Minneapolis community? No. So like that, that need to like fix black and brown children, but no other children or not instead of, or a system. What's the last time you ever have heard somebody say like, we need to fix white youth or I'm going to go to the who white are church. shooting up. Like, I'm going to go to the evangel- evangelical church and I'm going to talk to the pastors there and um, see if we can get the, the white children to stop shooting up schools. Yeah. All the white evangelicals. Have who's going to fix them? Who's doing that? Yeah. I'm going to tell them that this has to stop. And here's a question. I would wonder about that individual that's in the system. Did they feel any sort of way about black and brown, or sorry, white boys in schools? Because quite frankly, the the kid I'm most worried about in school, and I'm someone's going to be pissed that I say this, is a white, a white male. Because the, his, the school shooters historically in this country have been white male. That's just not an arguable no, fact. You, cannot, you fact. cannot take it away. I don't know what some like 98 some percent. So am I walking into a school system white person fearing all the white boys around me? Is this what, the, that's what we, I would ask this person. Right. Who are you scared of? Who do we fear? And why? What, and why? And right. why? Because I why? bet that person, I, I bet the person at the other end of this question is not like, oh, I'm feeling some sort of way about white, that latest school shooting. Like I'm feeling some sort of way about white boys. Yeah. Every time I see a group of white boys in school. Or every time I see a lone white boy, I get a little nervous. Mm-hmm. I want someone to ask if they've asked themselves that question, because I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the impact of whiteness, and you know, if if you are if you are looking at black and brown people through a deficit, dehumanizing lens, and you are judging their behavior, their language, their anything, their their humanity, if you're judging that, and you're sitting in your non-melanin tinted white skin like that is a component of that is a that is a characteristic of white white supremacy culture that defensiveness that judging that blaming like you got to sit in that and like and not and I'm not saying this as like and again I hope somebody's uncomfortable listening to this I hope I, I hope do. somebody's wrestling with it a little I bit I hope somebody's wrestling with it a little bit white listeners you should find a way to feel uncomfortable. And I think we, every once in a while, Natasha, on these episodes, I think, you know, there gets to a point where, you know, I think, you know, we had a listener tell us they think we're too easy. 92, you know, they said, you know, they said that 70 some episodes in, like, you guys are too nice. Like, we are. I'm going to, like, were you uncomfortable this week, white, li- anywhere, white listeners? And like, can you actually name it? Because well, I can not, look at you. Do you want to say uncomfortable in terms of race? Yes, uh, in terms of race. I can look at you and tell you I was on a call with three black people and two white people. Well, it was three and three. There were three white people, three black people, but the two black people were outside of. I didn't know them and I'd met them. And I got some. There was a conversation where one of the black women, like it was, she was she gave me some feedback and mm-hmm. asked me a couple questions and turned something I said back on myself. And I was uncomfortable. Like I knew it. I was like, damn, I am uncomfortable in this. And I, 
in somewhere in the conversation, she said, you didn't need to answer that. That wasn't a question. She said, you didn't have to defend that. And I was like, Hmm. Oh, like I'm uncomfortable. And like, it was, it was good. It was good. And it was hard. And the conversation kept going. And the whole time I was like, sit in this Molly, like sit in this whole thing. And I do not believe that that can only happen in education. Like you as a white listener, name it, look at somebody this week and say, I was in an uncomfortable conversation this week. And I believe that conversation helped me grow racially. I think that leads to the quote that I heard this week. What was that? Um, I don't know who said it. I wish I did. The work of equity, inclusion, and anti-racism across history and right now in this moment needs accomplices and co-conspirators, not admirers. It is not okay to be admirer of anti-racist work anymore. I like it. All right. On that note, we'll see you back when we see you, listeners. Have a great week. And deuces. Yeah, that is not black excellence. Thank you.